Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Okay, good afternoon. Uh, this is Jay Levine, your host of Antitrust Law Source, and I am uh, pleased uh, to be sharing this podcast with Brett Thornton, who is the uh, uh, chair of our oil and gas practice and uh, who uh, extremely thriving and very interesting, as I'm coming to learn, um, practice. And what we were hoping to do is uh, uh, to learn a little bit more about the uh, how should I say the energy infrastructure or how energy is brought to our home because there's a there's a lot of um, interesting competitive issues associated with it but I think uh, very few of us actually understand how the natural resource that gets out of the ground ultimately makes it to our home and businesses and uh, probably uh, understanding that will give a uh, good framework for understanding maybe some of the legal challenges um, involved. So uh, how you doing, Brett? Good. Thanks, Jay. Um, so why don't you uh, why don't you give us an overview of, okay, you got stuff in the ground and my stovetop or my car or whatever uses the energy. How, how does that happen? Yeah, sure. The, the stovetop, your car, your house in the form of electricity. Um, what we're seeing now is, is a shift um, in this part of the country uh, with respect to the input we use ultimately to create energy. For a long time here, it was um, heavily dependent on coal. And we mm-hmm. generated a lot of coal both in this area and nearby, and that's what we used to fire our power plants. And, and recently, um, you know, both for political reasons and also because of economic reasons with respect to the, um, you know, the technology available to us that enables us to get to some different types of resources mm-hmm. and, and the price of those resources from a commodity standpoint has made uh, natural gas um, a more attractive alternative. And so um, we here, uh, I'm in our uh, Columbus, Ohio office, are very well situated to take advantage of that because we're very close to the Marcellus and Utica shale plays where there's a great deal of oil, but also a lot of natural gas. And so we represent front to back a lot of the producers who are right now out there um, acquiring property, doing exploration work and doing the work to extract those resources um, from the ground. And, And that's where it starts. And so we take um, clients out, they acquire property, they um, construct facilities, they pull the natural gas um, out of the ground, and then we work with other clients who establish gathering lines and other types of infrastructure um, to move that product into the system that will ultimately um, result in its processing and its use by um, consumers, us, right. this building, and everyone else. Um, so, uh, now well, let me ask you a, a couple of questions just there. How much, I mean, are we still using coal in this country? We are. We are still using coal. And I certainly wouldn't, you know, presume to say <laughs> we wouldn't. I'd get in trouble because we also do a lot of coal work. Here okay. Yeah. Um, and we have great coal clients. But, you know, my focus, and this is to, to put a fine point on it, is not anti-coal. It's just that that's not what I do. I work with the guys doing natural gas, and they have a, a good opportunity to, right. um, to that they didn't have, um, you know, as, as recently um, to to get to market with natural gas as a as an energy and and um, and uh, commodity resource. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, so you have the gathering lines that bring it sort of into a facility, or it brings it to a processor. Where where what is the endpoint for the gathering line? Endpoint for the gathering line is all, is oftentimes and usually just another line. Okay. <laughs> it's a bigger line. It's a, it's a trunk line. It's a transportation line. And then that line, that's the midstream facilities. And those will take the um, product and they'll, um, you know, they'll, 
they'll push it down the line through compressor facilities through other types of transportation facilities ultimately to a processing facility okay. to, a, to a um you know refinery to mm-hmm. a a cracker facility where it's going to be turned into um, a product that then can be used to um, create energy or used for other industrial purposes or, or consumer product purposes okay well just curious what kind of other Consumer product purposes, um, or for instance, some of the constituent elements of the wet gases we produce go into industrial processes that result in the production of plastics. Oh, right? so like it's poly, it, uh, yeah. So so there's so you, you use you know there's things butane and and uh-huh. and other um, types of products that are more used for heating you know home heating or natural gas can be used for certain types of power plants um, but it can also be used as, as industrial inputs to create all sorts of different products you need these types of inputs for plastics for rubbers for for glass um, manufacturing for all for all sorts of things interesting and and so you're getting it processed it's probably broken down into different constituent elements yeah and that's what happens at the the refineries and the uh, the cracker plants the refining the refining facilities that's where it, it when it comes down you know the, the midstream mm-hmm. facilities that transported there that's where it's processed into um, a consumable product by other you know in industry and transaction partners okay and from there where does it go I mean some stuff is going to the power companies, some sure. stuff is going to industrial uses. Are they using different lines? Are they using the same lines? No, no. They, well, you know, they do use the same lines. They use the same lines for certain things. They use uh, different lines for others. Um, we we um, tend to, and at least my clients, you would probably bifurcate lines between lines because the different weights and the different mm-hmm. you know, elements that are that, that make up the the product being transported. Um, can create um, issues that aren't you know problematic, but you need to, to calibrate things differently. You need to have different requirements for monitoring and to make sure things run smoothly. So you, if you have a refined petroleum line, um, you're probably using that for refined petroleum, and you'll have a separate line that you'd use for NGLs or other sort of gas products. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, so those are going from the refinery to? To a marketing terminal where it will be put on a truck and taken to your local gas station. Gotcha. Right, or or you know, in the inst- you know, in the, for natural gas and natural gas liquid products to processing facilities, where it will be converted into its end state for the consumer, and then um, shipped somehow, sometimes again through pipelines or on trucks or otherwise to the uh, you know its final destination. The LDC or yeah, the... Where, where it will become a product that you or I might use. Right. So there there may be another transmission line to the municipality who will then sure absolutely and we represent the transmission line you know clients as well and and for um, you know natural gas that uh, goes into your home that goes to yet another you know location and then one of the local natural gas companies from whom you receive a bill every right. month ultimately gets it and they transport it to you okay so i just i'm imagining all of these different lines interconnecting so from the ground to your home it's going through 10, 20 different oh lines. yeah yeah from from where it comes out of the ground it could it's 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 a long and potentially complicated journey or not you know there's um, I don't want to digress too much and it's not a uh, it's it's not something that I'm highly familiar with but there are some businesses and people that see potential for a 
sort of will head to wheel yeah. type of um, enterprise where you would have proprietary production sites that would you know be transported directly for a specific industrial or, or consumer yeah. purpose. Right? I've heard of those. Yeah. I've heard of those. So, uh, okay, so how many different entities are actually owning all of these different facilities and lines? And, and that's an interesting question from a competitive <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. Since you're leading me there, and it, it used exactly. to be a lot. It used to be a lot. Um, it used to be, there are still a lot, and there are still a lot of players in this um uh, industry and the infrastructure and, and um, transportation facility industry, but uh, there's been a lot of consolidation recently as well, you know, and that's sort of natural, I think, and across a lot of different industries. But yeah. um, we, we've seen um, some of the bigger players, and you know, I won't you know name names because we have a lot of interlock blocks. <laughs> with a lot of them. I'm and sure our clients not, appreciate that. Right, and I'm not authorized to, to speak certainly about anyone in particular, but there there were a lot of different companies doing this, and now there's been a lot of. Um, Consolidation and, and there's fewer, certainly. And and so the consolidation is at the horizontal level or even at the vertical level? Um, it's at, yeah, I'd say it's at the horizontal and, you know, vertical level. I, I think there are synergies for companies that have a lot of expertise with respect to large-scale construction projects involving mm-hmm. this type of infrastructure, but for different uses. So I think you have companies that are involved in um, things like, more you know, transportation lines that are also um, integrating uh, midstream and, and gathering type of companies and operations into their family of companies because there's uh, probably a lot of uh, synergy with respect to you know the, the expertise. There's economies of scale when you have a lot of people that are really good at these type of projects and that their skills are applicable to different types of projects within the industry space. Right. Okay. I, and now, does FERC regulate anything? Here? I mean, I, I just should, that was a horrible question. I, I'm sure they regulate some, but I mean, do they regulate um, acquisitions here? Do they regulate the I mean, they don't regulate the rates anymore, per se. You know, um, I, I'm not a FERC expert. Right. Um, where FERC comes in and, and there's there are intrastate and interstate regulations, mm-hmm. and I know FERC has a role even, um, I believe, to some degree um, with some interstate issues, but we tend to think of FERC more as interstate okay. lines. Um, and, they, and on an interstate level, I do... Again, I'm not a FERC lawyer, but I do believe they still do um, are involved in the tariffing process for, okay. the, for the for the public common carrier type of lines. Right. But what about the acquisition? That I don't. Not that I don't. I didn't think so. Yeah, I'm not. And I, again, I'm not the right. the FERC guy. Well, I know the FTC has uh, has a a shop like Mergers Three, which is traditionally called the oil and gas shop, where mm-hmm. they do a lot of the transmission and those. those you know, even the the chem, you know petrochemical and as well as the kind of just the oil refinery um, mergers, right? Um, and stuff like that. So obviously, um, they have jurisdiction there. I was just curious as to whether FERC had a weigh in on any aspects of these. But I at least that they do, right? They, <laughs> so they, yeah, well, so those right. Type of entities usually have a uh, a way to get involved. Right? I, I'll defer to you. That's yeah, your, okay. Right. Well, that's <laughs> we'll get into DC um, yeah, right. issues um, maybe some other time, <laughs> but. Um, so now, I, you know, we, we discussed this kind of offline. There's something called the essential facilities doctrine, which, mm-hmm. you know, sort of started with pipelines because no one's going to build another pipeline. But potentially a bunch of companies may need use of a competitor's pipeline sure. to get the product from A to B. Um, and if that competitor can discriminate against the competition, then obviously they can keep the price of the product fairly high. Right. There's no other way. Now, are you again? Don't I'm not asking you to divulge any of your client secrets or anything. But are you seeing kind of those kind of competitive? 
pressures and stuff going on, given the fact that there is consolidation and given the fact that there are so many different transmission points from ground to home or ground to business? Yeah, you know, and I think there's always, um, even before consolidation, it's a highly competitive industry because, as you said, there's not an unlimited number of pipelines. There's right. not an unlimited number of options and assets, and, and lines are, are owned by companies and operated by companies, and um, but but they avail themselves of the rules that allow them to be common carriers, and so there are you know restrictions and obligations, mm-hmm. and and so certainly every company still wants to you know maximize the utility and makes it's the most um, attractive and competitive pipeline, generate the most business at the highest rates. Right. And and, and given the pressure, given the the scarcity of the resource, you know, there's a lot of companies that need to transport their product. Ohio had a had a had a, a dearth of infrastructure. We still need more infrastructure, I think, in Ohio. And so, you know, there's there's always gonna be pressures, right? Good good pressures for clients that, you know, have ownership and operation of a valuable asset, right? Right. Well, that's interesting. So let me ask you this hypothetical. So uh, some one of your clients wants to sort of open up a well or open up something. It wants to exploring a piece of land. Um, and that contains a natural resource that it's going to mine, mm-hmm. however it's going to mine. Now, obviously, it has to have a, a, a business plan, if you will, for how, what it's going to do with that natural resource, sure. how it's going to get it to the refinery, how it's going to get to. Before it ever breaks ground or contemplates a contract, are they going to the transmission folks and saying, sure. I, I want to make sure, guarantee me you know, a competitive rate for the next... 10, 12, 15 years? Well, you know, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety with the business specifics, certainly, but there, but um, the, the transportation and infrastructure companies certainly do partner with the production companies Mm -hmm. and have, you know, anchor tenants, even for common carrier lines. And then, you know, there'll be an announced project. There'll be uh, an open season for bids for capacity on the line and, and a company that's looking to, you know, expend, you know, very significant sums on the construction of this type of an infrastructure project needs to have you know the comfort that it's going to have customers in place and, and ready to use it and that's that have made commitments um, right to use it so certainly and it, and it has the has the uh, distribution facilities that aren't Absolutely. going to essentially eviscerate all of their margin right and, and you and there's those those contracts are complicated and they're very time sensitive because yeah you know, these things need to come together at the same time. You can't have, um, perf- you know, the companies that are um, building out exploration and production facilities can't commit all the resources to have those up and ready to go and to not have the infrastructure available to transport the product. Right. Same time, the, you know, and if the infrastructure companies expend great sums to build all this infrastructure, you know, they can't be told at the end of it that, sorry, we're not ready and won't be for such an amount of time and therefore can't pay you. No, there have to be carefully um, drafted provisions that allocate that risk appropriately and make sure that the the parties are are covered and that um, responsibility for those types of issues is, is, you know, allocated appropriately amongst them. Now, in Ohio and the surrounding, are you, are you seeing unexplored territories that need? We still have, there's, I think there's still substantial amount of um, opportunity in Ohio for <laughs> further exploration and production. I certainly hope so. Okay. Well, I, I've kind of figured that. Yeah, um, right. And then there's, um, you know, there's the state lands issue, and I'm not getting into the political. Yeah, no, 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 that, no. But there's been discussions about that. So, yeah, I, I think we've got a, 
um, you know, there's still a long tail on, you know, uh, the, the development, the growth stage of the industry. And, mm-hmm. and maybe not as long a tail as there was, you know, years back when all right. of this started up. But, uh, you know, it's still, it's still a very active area. And how, how do you see renewable en- energy kind of impacting these developments? Uh, renewable energy will impact the developments um, when it is viable you know, economically, when when companies and I, I think it's great for you know as a as an Ohioan or as an American and a, and as a business person here, I want a robust you know market. I certainly have you know clients in the oil and gas space uh, that I, I am very loyal to and advocate for. But you know, if if another company comes in and does something that's wonderful from a technology standpoint, it's a game changer and it's good for everybody. That's you know that's something that's going to happen and that'll affect the industry certainly and everyone in it. Are 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 the oil and gas folks hedging their bets with renewable energy? Oh, you know that's that's above my that's above <laughs> my pay grade. You know what's going on at the uh, the top levels of those yeah. boardrooms isn't doesn't filter down to me. Maybe I right? Mean, they're smart guys up there. They probably right. are. Mm-hmm. but you don't you don't see a lot of action on that, right? Now. I don't. I right. don't. I still see, but again, and you know, I, I I see the oil and gas stuff. I see the infrastructure right. stuff. That made uh, well. That that sort of makes a lot of sense. Now, are there? Do you see any disruptors coming in um, in the market? Um, any upstarts? Uh, not necessarily technologically, but even with distribution facilities or or you know, you know, I I don't. Um, and you know, my the, the business guys and, and it, that I work with and the clients would be better apprised of that. Um, I think there's always the potential for that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't. I can't name anything specifically, right? Right now, that's going to come in and, and change the game. I mean, what's happened over the last ten years is changed the game generally. All the technological developments right. that have made it so much. Um, and I don't want to say easy. You no know, one. I wouldn't want anybody to make. I wouldn't want to sound like I'm saying it's easy to do these projects, to sink these wells, to. Right. But the technology has made it a lot more efficient, which has made it uh, the price points at which people can, you know, generate a, a meaningful return lower. Which you know is, no. and, and you know, we're talking about these these really expensive, really technically difficult horizontal, you know, wells, and and the fact that we can you know do those now in a way that um, we couldn't. 15, 20 years ago has been a game changer for the entire U.S. economy. I mean, right. that's, that's stating the obvious. Yeah. No, no, no. It has. And, you know, obviously oil, gas prices, you know, sort of reflect all of this right. um, and will continue to reflect as well as obviously a variety of other issues that are going on. I, I guess one of the last things I want to ask you about, and I'm not sure how much familiarity you have, fracking. Yes. Okay. Very, very okay. That's kind of what I thought. Uh, so... Okay. I just I think I know, but what is fracking? It's it's the it's a process by which these companies um, extract resources from these wells. It's well, what I think you're talking about is hydraulic fracturing, mm-hmm. which is they force um, fluid down into the wells, and it, it you know the energy causes uh, fracturing fissures right. in the in the rocks, and that enables the the resource to flow out and into and up and out of the well, but right. but fracking, you know, is, is any type of, I guess you could call it any any type of mechanism to cause the the fracturing of the formations and the release of um, resources, and that's been going on for hundred plus years. You're right in Ohio alone. I think you know there's a company up in Findlay that they used to drop a guy down on a 
on a wire and he'd set up a bomb in the bottom and try to get out gotcha. in time so it would blow up and cause the oil to come up. You know, low, low tech, low tech fracking. Low tech. I mean, fracking is not new. Fracking is the, right. is the farthest thing from from a you know. But but I think you know the new what what people think of is fracking now is I think right. mainly hydraulic fracturing that's going on in Ohio and Pennsylvania and a lot of other places. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, where is that taking place? Is it everywhere where they're doing these these big wells? Uh-huh. All over the Utica and you know Marcellus shale plays down in you know up in um, North Dakota, the, the Bakken and one's down in Texas, the Permian, Eagle Ford, all you know wherever there's a you know, significant household names. I got to tell you, yeah, all of those. Sorry, totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. Are we still in America? Oh, uh, <laughs> fine. I know DC centric. Right, 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 I really right. got to get out yeah. more. Um, but we'll go back, uh, knowing all about Utica, right? It's like uh, I was like shale Utica. Okay, I got it. I got it. I, okay, I'm showing my provincialism, but um, um, but that's uh, that's interesting. Now, I, just going forward, do you see any any? Um, obviously, I care because and I trust lawyer. I mean, do mm-hmm. you see anything on the horizon that you think um, the oil and gas industry has to? at least be cognizant of or aware of? Well, I think there's going to be additional consolidation. I think we've, <laughs> with the price pressures, we have already certainly yep. seen it and will continue to see it. And from a competitive standpoint, whenever there's consolidation, particularly in, in areas important as energy and natural resources, there'll be competitive issues. Right. right. And I, you know, and I, Jay, I, re, you know, at our firm, I refer to you on <laughs> yeah. that stuff. I'm right. Well, <laughs> right. I guess, you know, so is the, are the consolidations coming at Every point up the chain. I mean, we know on the refinery, you you hear about them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And on the transmission, and on the distribution, and on the trunk lines, and and on the the production. Sure. Yeah, I mean, where I I guess there's still a lot of different players, but there's such huge projects is probably what what we see at the some of the downstream big um, you know facilities. Some of those facilities there seem to still be a lot in the works that aren't affiliated. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are you know those are coming online now, and we'll see what happens with that. But as far as it who owns the actual land and the assets and who, um, you know, is, is doing the gathering and the transportation and the processing. I, you know, there's been and consolidation the in the marketing, and I think there'll continue to be consolidation. Yeah. At least that's the way it looks now. And I'm not an economist. I'm just sort of, I look out the window, and that's, you know, right. that's what I see. That's what I read in the news. And right. that's what I see in, in practice with, our, with the companies I know. So. Right. Well, that's why I asked because yeah, sure. sort of you're in the trenches with it, and that's yeah. kind of you know, given the questions that I I know you've you've yeah. raised and others have raised, the, that does seem to still exist. Yeah. And, um, and you get a bit of a forest for the trees with a, with someone like me though, who's really in the nuts and bolts of <laughs> cranking these deals out. But I, I, right. I tend to find out when the big sh- next big shift comes when everybody else does. Right, right. Well, I, I guess I guess we will find out. And, and of course, it is anybody's guess what the you know next administration will look like. Um, Absolutely. Um, of course, not a plug, but there, we, we, we just posted in a, a blog post on our, on our site about sort of what possibilities there might be given a Clinton administration or given a Trump administration. Um, and it'll, it will certainly be interesting, but given energy's importance to industry, to national security and the like, it, it is always a very touchy standpoint. And I know back in the 90s, um, I did a lot more you know, antitrust work with um, oil and gas, and it seems to be coming back a little bit now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious as to whether you see that those competitive pressures probably resurfacing yeah. more and more. 
I would expect them to. Yeah, uh, and, and we'll see when things get more. You know, there's a bit of a slowdown, and it would be, I think, remiss not to, to acknowledge that. Right. Um, certainly, I'm not, you know, um, unaware of the fact that oil prices have declined <laughs> significantly, right. and that there's been a associated um, slowdown in the you know rate of production. Certainly, and I can speak mainly to Ohio, but I am, you know, having. You know, you hear otherwise about the other places and the other plays and the other production areas. And and we'll see what happens when things come roaring back, which I, you know, will they come roaring back? I, you know, roaring back, what, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean at the level we had it, um, you know, four or five years ago here and, and elsewhere? I, I don't know, but I also don't anticipate that we're going to have a depressed price situation forever and when there's no. more money to be made and more money's coming in and more competition and and um you know and competition over a limited resource there's only so much land there's only so much opportunities right. and then we absolutely will see you know right. more litigation of all sorts including with respect yeah. to issues of competitive practices yeah no absolutely and listen it the more prices stay low people are going to scale back which is ultimately going to cause prices to go high which right. will invite more people in and invite others to do what they can to keep people out and you know and we're back to where we have been so uh, it, it will be interesting but uh, I would be remiss not to mention that um, Brett uh, runs a, uh, a blog sure. that is devoted to these issues what is it called? It's the Oil and Gas Law Report and you can find it um, at porterright.com or Oil and Gas Law Report is the Yep. You are. Just like there's antitrustlawsource.com, there's yep. oilandgaslawreport.com. Yep. Um, and uh, as I said, uh, Brett runs that. And um, I, I certainly appreciate this. This has been fun. Um, Want to give people your contact information? Yeah, sure. Uh, my email address is bthornton, B T H O R N T O N, at porterright, P O R T E R W R I G H T. Dot com and I'm also on LinkedIn as the, the the one of many Brett Thorntons, but the one in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, the good-looking one, right? Right, right. right. Um, for the picture. And um, uh, I'm Jay Levine, as um, people well know if you've been listening. Um, you can reach me at Twitter at J A Y L L E V I N E. Um, you can reach me by email, the letter J L E V I N E at porterite.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. There's a few of us, but uh, there's probably only one of me. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, stay tuned. We will have another um, uh, another podcast with Brett coming online, which while he wears his other hat, um, which is um, equally as engaging um, in uh, your your other practice of uh, representing. Um, startups, right? Yeah, startups and emerging businesses. Sure. Yeah, so uh, that is a uh, big focus of, of our firm, and Brett's a huge part of that. So uh, stay tuned, and thanks everybody for joining. Thank you. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.